listening. I'm well. How hey, are everyone. you? Good. Um, <laughs> welcome, everyone, to episode eight of the Honey and Heart podcast. Um, if you're new here, we talk about womanhood and leadership and kind of everything in between. <laughs> we release new episodes every other Wednesday. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at Honey and Heart Pod or our website, honeyandheartpod.com, where you can sign up for our email list and get notified of all our new episodes. So you don't have to remember if it's this Wednesday or next Wednesday. Oh, perfect. Don't <laughs> put a calendar invite in. There's no need for you to remember. We've got you covered. Join the email list and become a part of our community in the chaos. Um, for those of you who are already a part of the Honey and Heart community, thank Thank you so very much for being here. As you know, we like to give a shout out to the Bo McDowell for creating our lovely intro music and adding to the Honey and Heart soundtrack. Yes, thank you, Bo. Show him some love over on Instagram at Bo McD. Um, so I have to tell you this story before we get into it. I'm ready. Um, so I'm on TikTok, right? And this girl that I follow reposted one of her old videos and I saw it like immediately after she posted it, like zero seconds. And so I put, I commented a comment that was from the original video that like had a ton of likes, Uh but obviously it wasn't my comment, but I said the same exact thing. Um, and now it's haunting me every day, every day I get new likes on this comment. It's up to 20,000 likes. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, I like added, I replied to my comment and I was like, I copied this from the original video. So like, if anybody knows Mm -hmm. who said it, like shout them out. But of course, nobody sees that comment. Yeah. Cause the original one just has like thousands and thousands of likes but like my only basically half my tiktok notifications now are just about that comment um i I feel like a fraud i had a instagram comment scenario debacle kind of similar it was like two weeks ago and i was similarly i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about free britney as we did on our last podcast um and they were just talking about some things of how it was like societal and very much what we were talking about so i kind of like riffed a little bit off of what they were saying but definitely a la this other podcast and Mm -hmm. put a little comment and my instagram notifications for like a week were just this comment (laughs) And I more so had a haunting of people reaching out to me or people being like, you're so wrong. I can't believe you said this or um, way to be dramatic much or whatever it is with the comment. I was like, I'm going to delete my comment. I cannot do this. Oh, no. Did you delete it? I didn't because I was like, I feel like it'll mellow out. Yeah, like, and then, it'll die. Yeah, it'll die down. And then I wasn't on Instagram for a couple of days, and then I came back, and I completely forgot about it until right now. So I think I'm in the clear, and <laughs> I think you can live life with a free conscience. I think you're fine. It's just been going on for, like, weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> so Did you say it has 20,000 likes? 20,000. That's crazy. I'm like, I know. I'm like, why don't people follow me then if they think I'm so funny? (laughs) Like, like, come my way. 
I've thought about that. Maybe I won't be a TikTok con- content creator, but maybe I'll be a funny TikTok commentary person and all people will like follow me or whatever or like my stuff for likes. Like for I mean that for my comments. Yeah, I mean that should definitely be a niche. That's like a niche on YouTube, right? Like people are just commentators. Of Very other. much so. Like people are commentators of other um videos and then also I kind of feel like it's very Twitter-y like when people talk about like oh you know this subculture's Twitter it's all just people who like kind of interact and say clever commentary and that other people follow for it so maybe I'll find a way to utilize it on TikTok (laughs) yeah I mean TikTok it's still developing so who knows well you know had to start it out with a little bit of a light story since today (laughs) I mean, this topic's not heavy, but it's blood-boiling in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, this pandemic, it's super persistent. Of course, we're tired of talking about it. Of course, we're tired of it happening. But at least now, we're in this new phase. We have some vaccines. You know, it feels like the light at the end of the tunnel may be reappearing soon. (laughs) It's like Um, we had a false, what do they call it when you're hiking, like a false summit when you think it's going to be over. I feel like the last year has been a false summit of thinking we've peaked at COVID. But now I'm hopeful that maybe like we are starting the descent. Yeah, like fingers crossed. I'm like praying to all the gods right now that, that we are correct in saying yes. this. Yes. Um, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out in the future and our predictions will be forever immortalized <laughs> in this through podcast. this recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a couple of just a couple of gals talking about where they think COVID's going to go, you know they'll clip it somewhere in the future when we're like famous and they'll be like you were wrong once or or <laughs> the horror of people who w- put a random video on tiktok and then are included in some documentary about conspiracy theories or whatever like oh my <laughs> this God. little snippet of our podcast could be used against us i uh, like i know that's a totally irrational fear at this moment in time but i will say I can't not say the thought hasn't crossed my mind that recordings of us will be used for malintent in the future. Well, I mean, there's definitely... I'm trying to come at this with an awareness that, like, anyone could listen to it. And, um... Oh, this is funny. I did have like two friends reach out to me and were like, haha, thanks for the shout out in the podcast. And I was like, what shout out? I got very nervous. Um, so now I'm shouting them both out again, I guess. They'll they'll be like, huh, that was me. Um, but it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like anybody could listen at any time. And I'm trying to be authentic, but also aware. Yeah, like I was watching... Um Kel Lorange, the, mm-hmm. you know her, obviously. Graphic designer on YouTube. Everyone should follow. I believe they prefer they. So I was watching them earlier today doing a design video, but they put like hate comments from people that like left real hate comments on her YouTube, on their YouTube video. And was just like making it for fun on this website. Mm-hmm. But anyways, 
It just makes me think, like, what are the Chads and the Brads going to be saying about this when we get, if we ever get to that point, that well, there's, there will be one clip of us on Twitter and that, or, like, one Reddit thread where they're just all commenting. Agreed. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see in the future. We'll but if you're a Chad or a Brad, you know, this podcast most likely is not for you. Like... I would say um, if you don't think this podcast is for you, then that's totally okay. But this isn't a place to come to to just like harp on negativity or like be harsh. All are welcome here, but negative feelings are not. (laughs) Just thinking what our haters are going to say in the future. But like if you have haters, like... Dude... I want to be big enough to have haters. <laughs> there's a level of stock in like having like there's a level of like stock or clout or whatever you want to call it when people hate you. Yeah. If people like Jacqueline time, and I, like me and you, we've sent each other like when we hit our first like hundred followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. we we're all excited. It's gonna be the same. We're like, we got our first, first take, take on it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check it out. I hope, note to self, I hope to handle it with like a laugh and like, who the heck is this person? Instead of taking it too seriously because you can't take it too seriously. Right. That being said, we are open to constructive criticism. Absolutely. This is a dialogue. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So today, you know, this persistent pandemic, we're only just starting to see what lasting effects this whole Mm -hmm. thing is going to have on us and our society. Um, And there have been lots of communities that have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. I think all of us are probably aware of that by this point. Um, So today we specifically want to look at how the pandemic how the panorama pandemic, whatever, whatever we want to call it, um, has affected women and especially mothers. You know, we can't speak from experience, um, on being a mom, but I do know a lot of people who have become moms recently who are moms, obviously before the pandemic too, things were not that easy for moms, um, especially working mothers, especially single working mothers. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. So I kind of want to start with like a little brief history of like women in America. Um, because you know, in the timeline of, in the timeline of history, there's been a very short amount of time that women have really been in the workforce in America. Um, particularly starting around World World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So when World War Two and everyone was going off to war, women really stepped up, um, and that was basically like the biggest transformation in recent history for women entering the workforce. Um, you know, I think the number was pretty crazy, but it, it was like more than half of women in America entered the workforce around that time. Definitely like this World War II era, this World War II time is when women started entering the workforce. It's when Rosie the Riveter, um, you can do it or yes, we can. Or one of those I believe is Barack Obama. And then the other one is Rosie the Riveter. I can't remember, but, um, you know, red 
uh, red handkerchief in her hair, industrial jumpsuit, ready to go to work, was because men were away at war and women now needed to take on more manufacturing jobs. So it wasn't necessarily that all of a sudden a switch flipped and companies were excited to welcome women into the workforce. It was that they lost their preferred workforce and then Mm -hmm. turned to the women in their communities. Yeah. And one thing I read too that I thought was really interesting at this time is that we saw a lot, a huge shift in the consumer market of switching to things that were created more convenient at home. So you have like convenience food, like TV dinners in the 50s were huge. Vacuum cleaners even were just starting to get come out microwaves you know we're becoming a little, way more popular to find in the home um so it's all things that you know vacuum cleaners instead of a broom it makes everything quicker and easier and more convenient um, for the yeah. mostly women who are doing these things right so and i thought that was super interesting did you see that like viral video that was going around about when betty crocker originally came out it wasn't very popular No. So it was interesting, and I I looked it up, um, but it kind of ties into this. So Betty Crocker was supposed to be like the convenient thing, like quick, ready-made mixes. You don't need to make Mm. your own breads or whatever. Bisquick, it's it's a um, multi-use base for all of your recipes, I guess. And women didn't like using it because there was this kind of societal pressure that if you're using these things to make your cooking time easier and faster, you're taking the easy way out and therefore not being a good wife and not taking care of your husband. So Betty Crocker didn't know what to do um, because they thought they had this great product. And one marketing person um, at an ad agency told them to write in the recipes, add one egg. Adding an egg did nothing for the mix, but it allowed women to do something manual so that they were actually making something and wouldn't have to feel guilty about taking the easy way out. Which, I mean, when you bring that to vacuum cleaners, microwaves, and things in the home that are supposed to make it easier, it was still difficult for women to feel okay about having more time outside the home. It was still something they were guilted about. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, and that still happens today. Mm -hmm. Like, people guilting moms all the time for how they choose to do things in their homes and with their kids. So, dang. Betty Crocker would have been my friend, though. Right? I have down for some (laughs) quick-ass cakes. I literally (laughs) just made some, like, cheesy biscuits, and I was like, hot damn, this only took 10 minutes. (laughs) I was so excited. And now I, like... So I wonder if the egg is, like, still a necessary thing, or can you do it without? Well, and I think now with Betty Crocker and, like, Bisquick, (laughs) I did look this up, so this is how I spend my days. Um, I think now, like, Bisquick is a base for a lot of different things. So depending on what you make, you might add oil here, you might add milk to this recipe, you might add two eggs to this recipe. So I think it depends. Mm. Um, But I just thought that was really interesting. Like, it makes me think for, like, box cake mixes and stuff. Like, do I really need to add that stuff in there? Or could I just, like, mix it with water and it'd be the same thing? Mm, We should try. All right. 
Honey and Heart does. Hashtag Honey and Heart does. Honey and Heart does box cake mix. (laughs) We're like Mythbusters. Oh my God. This myth for you guys. (laughs) They'll play us on like, uh, if you're from Arizona, we have heat advisory days um, where you sit in the library and watch Mythbusters for the recess period. Yeah, uh, people in other states are probably like, what are you talking yeah. about? What <laughs> it's too to- hot to be yeah, outside. Yeah, it's too hot to be outside. <laughs> um, That's funny. Snow days, okay. you get to stay home from school, but not I here. know. And you can still go outside. It's just like, it's hard to drive in the snow. <laughs> it's hard to drive in the heat, though. People's tires. Dude. They People's literally tires, explode. They will literally explode. <laughs> um, your seatbelt is like so hot. It can literally third degree burn you. you. People post videos. They have like oven mitts putting their yeah, seatbelt right? on. We, we, we were born on the sun. <laughs> yeah, we were born on the sun. And now transitioning back to women in the workforce. <laughs> yeah. So I did find a stat. So, well, this is like in the early 60s. So once women did enter the workforce it evened out after the war to about four in ten women went out to work um and that continued until 1997 when the proportion reached just over six and ten um and that's kind of been steady since it so. kind of does blow my mind that for from the 60s to the 90s it was one in four women. It, it kind of goes to show that, like, just because you see, like, one woman working doesn't mean that, like, every woman has the ability to do that. There's still a lot of obstacles in women's way. And, you know, you can say that some of those, um, the six of ten who are not working maybe chose not to work. But mm-hmm. there's a lot behind and potentially a lot of baggage behind choosing not to work. Like, who who chooses that? Right. You know, and there definitely are still mothers Mm -hmm. and women out there that do make that decision fully on their own. Um, But that's what we're going to get into. Let's talk about women's unpaid work that we've Mm. been doing for centuries and centuries. Um, So I wanted to throw some more stats out there because I think this really helps paint the picture of this and why it's a problem. And sometimes people, if they don't have numbers, it's, you know, it's hard to conceptualize for some. But one shocking thing, so I think, I don't know if this was the Washington Post, I think this was the New York Times, actually. They did, like, they went out and, like, did this study of, like, how much, if women got paid, literally minimum wage for the work that they do in one year, what would the value of all that work be? And I believe this was just in the United States, too. Um, So that number, I don't even know how many zeros this is. I'm looking at this number and I have no idea how big it is. Okay. It has thousands, millions, billions, trillions. It has four, yeah, four commas in it. 10.9 trillion, trillion dollars. Damn, we could pay back our government's debt real quick. I think, too, there becomes this, and I've even thought this, too. Um, I'm currently living at home with my parents. It's something I'm very fortunate to be able to do. But sometimes even now, as like a mid-20-something, I'll think of a task in the house and I'll just like assume it goes to my mom. And it's like, 
oh, well, like I'm working right now. I can't do it. Like my mom will do it. And it's like, well, what the hell do I think she does all day? Like she's working too. Um, and now my mom actually works outside of the home. But growing up, my mom was like a, I don't even think anybody uses this term anymore, but homemaker. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think to your point of people having a hard time, like conceptualizing this, I don't even think people think about it. Honestly, I don't think people, and now in pandemic times, which we'll get into this more, there's so many more tasks that are falling on moms than already did. Yeah, totally. And all this goes unseen. That's why I really liked putting a number to this to be like, holy shit. Like, that is a holy shit number for sure. And, you know, most of women's work, even sometimes, uh, so even if women are working in jobs and it still, there are certain industries that are proportionately more, um, there's more women working in those fields than other industries. So think like teachers and housekeepers. Those are two examples that I can think of that are like severely underpaid. So even women who are working, it's like, what is the actual value they're providing? There's still a huge gap between what they're getting paid and the value that they're providing in the workforce. Um, So now with the pandemic, obviously things have changed so much. We lost a ton of jobs at the start of the pandemic that's recovered largely, but only for men. So women, about two and a half million women have lost their jobs or have dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic. Um, And that's enough to fill 40 football stadiums. And I think when I first saw this statistic, it was on like New York Times and it was just like very dramatic. It said, you know, we've gained back a lot of our jobs, but the group of people who didn't are women. And it's one of those things that like, if you really take a minute to like think outside yourself and, you know, I think sometimes my imagination goes too far and I can be a little bit too empathetic to hypotheticals, but imagine, I don't think that this is outlandish. So like, imagine you're a 30 to 40 something woman, you had a decent career and maybe it wasn't your favorite job, but you appreciated at least a couple of your coworkers and the fact that you could contribute income to your household. I think those two things are very reasonable. And then imagine knowing that you're the one who has to give that up to teach your kids to, in this pandemic specifically, you know, if your kids aren't in school, you're having to spend time teaching your kids. If your parents are elderly or if you have a family member who is high risk, potentially taking care of them or checking in on them more and just knowing Mm -hmm. that more and more tasks are falling on your plate it just seems so daunting. And I really do empathize for people in that situation heavily. Like I'm sure for a lot of women, it was a difficult decision to make. I think, you know, every mom is so happy to be a mom, but also there's a lot more to women than being a mom. Like you can, you should be able to like be a woman and have independence in your identity and having to give that up, um, especially Right. right now. Yeah. And, you know, this is a decision that they're being forced to make in a lot of situations, not something that they saw themselves doing even before. And then let's look at all the work that they do inside the home already. Women already spend about twice the amount of time that men do doing 
chores and errands around the home and like carrying the whole load of housework. Along the lines of women being forced into this, it's not always like an aggressive, assertive, forceful thing. But um, I saved a screenshot of a post that NPR made a couple days ago. They're doing highlights of um, how people felt a year ago today when the pandemic like really rolled out and kind of when for them the pandemic hit. And there's one from this lady named Pamela and it's hashtag the moment. When my son's daycare announced they would be closing indefinitely after spring break 2020. He was eight months old. I knew then that my career as a professor would never be the same. Hashtag the moment. So for her, Mm. that was the moment when COVID really hit. And, you know, she says, I knew then my career as a professor would never be the same. Like, obviously, to go to school and be teaching other people at a high academic level, there's a lot of time and energy invested into that. But she can't not have someone look after her eight month old Mm -hmm. son in the middle of the day. Right. And I think it's so interesting because I feel like in today's society, women, we're we're so torn by like two different narratives right now. One being like that girl boss narrative, like you need to go out if you're going to be a woman in business to assert yourself, get out there and, you know, grab the world by the balls and take charge. And then the other side is well, you should still want to be a mother. Like, if you don't have kids, you know, like, that's, you're not, you know, that's your purpose as a woman. But And I'm just regurgitating what people have said to me, no, you know. Totally. As, you're not whole unless you have kids. Like, that's such a f- honestly fucked up thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Or, like, you know, women are constantly bombarded with the question, like, the second you turn 25 or even younger in some cases, be like, when are you? when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And then you tell them you're not. And they're like, well, why don't you want to have kids? (laughs) And be open to changing your mind. You'll change your mind. Yeah. Or they just say that don't even entertain the reasons why you don't want to have kids. They just say, Oh, well, yeah, it'll change later when you're older and you'll Mm -hmm. reconsider. And, uh, so we're just torn in such two different directions right now. And so to either, it's if you're in the middle, honestly, like it's so easy to feel like a failure at either one of those, especially at this moment in time where you're forced to give up there. But now your workload as a mother is so much more than it was before. And, you know, a lot of moms have expressed that they're struggling with this mm-hmm. for, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. But um, so. I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting, too, like, this whole culture around women. Like, I'm sure you've seen the plaques, the pictures on the wall or that people have, or, like, those Live, Laugh, Love stickers, same decor line, <laughs> of where it's like, you know, I have three kids, my two sons and my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what is this culture where, like, women are saying their oh husband is their third yeah. child? Yeah. Like, that and is wrong to me on so many levels. <laughs> I've really been seeing this push on social media, and it's something that I've thought about a lot, but I'll be honest, I don't know that I could have wrapped it up in as nice of a way as I've seen on social media lately, but the example of, like, going to the grocery store. Mm, and yes. the husband or male partner, whatever it is, boyfriend, fiance, baby daddy, whatever, the male partner, in this case, we're going off male-female partners. 
male partners. Oh, I'm going to the, I'll go to the grocery store. I know you had such a long day. I'll go to the grocery store. Just tell me what to get. And then it's like, okay, well, there's, that's a loaded question Mm -hmm. because what to get means, well, what are we eating this week? And what are we eating this week means meal planning and meal planning means checking to see what we have in the fridge, checking the ads and seeing, you know, on Tuesday, we're not going to have time to make dinner. So let's have leftovers for Monday. What are we going to make Monday? There's so much more coordinating and so much more planning that that question still requires the mother in the home to be the project manager and to divvy out tasks and responsibilities. Yeah. Really what's helpful is taking on a responsibility fully When it's five layers deep, you can't help with layer one. You got to go all five in. Right. And totally, it's really not that helpful, like, to just say, you know, tell me what to do. It's like, well, I still have to figure out what to do then. Like, there are times where I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you bring up this grocery example because, um... When Justin and I were first living together, I was like, you know, our relationship was still fresh enough that I was like trying to be all on my best behavior. (laughs) So I was doing all the meal planning and like he would help me cook all the time. And um, but I was doing all the meal planning and I came from a home like my mom. She just does that for us, too. So Mm -hmm. that was the example I was going off of. Um, But yeah, so I would do all that. And after a while, like I was truly like just getting burnt out on it because we were both, you know, sometimes at that point in time, there were some some weeks where I was like working 60 hours and still like trying to work. I mean, whatever. I don't have to go into it. But um, so instead of just like talking to Justin about it, like a normal human being, I decided to be petty as fuck and say, well, you know, next week, how about you take care of all this? You plan out the groceries. And I was like, "Mm, I'm going to teach him a lesson right now. (laughs) And so he like caught on that I was like teaching him a lesson. So he got pissed that I was like, why? He's like, why are you teaching me this lesson when you could have just talked to me about it? (laughs) Um, But I was like, So Loki kind of worked, though, because you got frustrated that it was a hard work, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so, of course, I had to spin it as a win in my book still. Um, So now um, we're a lot more even on that front and kind of take turns um, and go through phases, you know. Um, But that's just one example, too. Like, even in our new relationship, like, you know, it, it still worked out that way for us. Yeah. Well, and I remember when I lived alone, it was like, it almost seemed like there was less decision-making I had to do living alone, even if you think like, oh, well, you know, it's just you, you have to make all the decisions. It's like, yeah, but some days I just was so overwhelmed, I like didn't make a decision. Like some days it was like, I'm going to just go home and go to sleep. I don't have to worry if someone else is eaten. I don't have to make sure that they're okay. Like it's 10 o'clock, I'm still at work. I'm going to chug a glass of water and pass out. And that, even though it was you know, me alone taking on sole responsibilities, I didn't have to then be responsible for someone else. And you could say that, you know, women take that on, but we kind of are expected to expected to even (laughs) as like girls and women so that we're prepared to take that on as mothers. And it's, it's just rough. (laughs) 
Yeah, totally. Uh, like, even still today, people have reported that their daughters do more to help out around the house than their sons do. It's like, it just starts at such a young age. It's so ingrained into us. It's like, there's certain things... I don't know if you can relate, but there's certain things about, like, me or my personality where I'm like, is that actually my personality or <laughs> is it just something I've been conditioned to think yeah. is part of my personality? Yeah. Like, is am I just... actually nurturing or have I just been convinced that as a woman I should be nurturing? <laughs> well, or like even do I care to be this responsible or do I care to take on like even right now, like my uh, I'm living at home with my parents. So, you know, I don't have the option to like go home to my house. It's like I'm very much entrenched in what's going on as a family. So there'll be family functions that my brother who doesn't live with us doesn't have to go to um, because, oh, it's like, ah, oh, he doesn't have to drive all the way out here, but you, Jacqueline, you're in the house. Come on in. Um, I'm already in, I'm in the house. Bad example, <laughs> but, um, but it's just kind of this thing of like, you know, would I take for me, there's like layers to it. Would I take this much on if I wasn't the older sister and would I take this much on if I wasn't my mom's oldest daughter? And mm-hmm. then on top of that, my mom's oldest daughter living in the house still, it's, it definitely, there are, uh, I'm nurture versus naturing myself. Yeah. I have like, it's a struggle every day to figure out which one it is. <laughs> Still feeling, uh, we're like Shrek where you, there you have to peel back the layers to get yeah, to the core. We're all just onions. We're all just onions. It's so true. And if you thought any of us saying that women take on more tasks than men was BS, well, we have a lovely stat for you. In the United States, women perform an average of four hours of unpaid work per day compared to men's two and a half. So, yeah. And other stats are saying, too, like dads have more leisure time than women. Um, They go out, they see their friends more often. Um, And also there is a study done um, on happiness with parenthood. Um, so I thought this was really interesting. Um, but dads are happier than moms and dads are also happier than men without kids. Um, however, women without kids are happier than mothers. (laughs) Like, what do I do with that? What do we do with that? It is hard. Like this is a little strange and bear with me here guys but so I'm in the process of buying a house and I had it's been really like tumultuous um just not for any like personal reason but just like the market the energy the time it's becoming more and more expensive it's becoming more and more overwhelming um if there's anybody listening to this who has like tried to buy a home in their relatively metropolitan like home city like I'm from Phoenix this is where I'm from and my realtor on the phone today was like you're close to being priced out of the market like just so you know this may be a longer process than you thought um 
And there's been a couple houses that when I walk in, I'm like, oh, this is me. This is how I envision me in a year. This is me like 27, 28, drinking like matcha lattes that I made in my own kitchen, walking out into my beautiful backyard, sitting under a tree and just like enjoying the moment. And then I was telling my dad when we didn't get a house I really, really wanted, um, I started getting really emotional talking to my dad and I was kind of surprised that this came out, but I was like, you know, it's just hard because I'm looking at all of these houses and I'm seeing them really representative of me right now. And I just don't, and I wish I could enjoy this process more because next time I do this, next time I buy a house, it's not going to be just for me. I'm going to have other people prioritized above me in what this house has to offer. I'm going to be going into a house, looking at it as someone's mom. I'm going to be looking. It's not just about like what's close to like this restaurant I like to go to or where's the nearest nail salon. It's like... Is there a school nearby? Are there parks nearby? What's the public transit situation? Um, Are there other kids in the neighborhood? And it was one of those things where it's like, damn, as women, knowing that there's possibly a time when you'll have to lose a little bit of yourself and start identifying as someone else's mom, it's, it's something that I think about and I'm sure that any mom listening to this is like, you get over it and you grow in yourself and you know, it all works out for the better. I'm sure it does. But in my, um, childless, single 26 year old mind, it gets overwhelming. Yeah, totally. And I put down on the notes here that I wanted to get a little vulnerable here and talk about how we feel about this. So I'm glad you brought this up because I don't, I mean, some moms say it gets better, right? But other moms, I mean, postpartum depression, I think is a conversation we really need to be having more need. It's something we need to be talking a lot more of Um, because women there's that expectation too. Like after you have a kid, like it's going to be so magical and beautiful. And sometimes it's not. And then you're telling yourself there's something wrong with me for Mm -hmm. not feeling this magic and just this huge connection. Coo with my baby in the crib all day. It's like, that's not realistic. Yeah. And having, a child during the pandemic where you literally like I would be terrified to leave my house with my newborn and then like and then you can't go you don't want to go visit people because you don't want to bring it back well (laughs) so it's so isolating that's a whole other thing too that I've been thinking about a lot you know there's a lot of things that people aren't able to experience or partake in as a family you know um holidays, birthdays, family tragedies, death, like it is, it is very, very hard. But I just think about two, they've said just with babies in the pandemic, I've always heard like, if you're going to be a mom, get other mom friends, try and find any woman who's pregnant at the same time as you like align yourself and build your community. And I could only imagine, you know, you just had a baby, you now have postpartum depression, or you're not sure if you're doing it right, or there's all this extra stress. I'm sure that feels so isolating too. Yeah, definitely. And just anxiety of if you're doing things right. Like, why do men think that we're going to just know? Like, some people say, oh, you're just going to know. Like, 
so, but no, sometimes I, some I've heard from friends, like, I have no fucking clue why this baby's crying right now. I don't just know, you know, and men think that women are just going to have it like figured out and know what to do. Like how many times have you seen like a new dad, like ask like, Oh, can you, you know, show me how to change the diaper? Like, how do you do this again? And you're just like, are you like, go look it up on YouTube. Like I probably will. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what's the, like, how do you learn anything? <laughs> mother's intuition. It is funny growing up, like, and you know, this may just be like my brother's personality, but he never held a baby like relative. <gasps> ever. Justin's never held a baby. I really, I think maybe there's a chance my brother has like held a baby, but it was never like when you go over to their house and it's like, oh, the baby's here. I remember it'd be like, Jacqueline, sit down and like hold the baby. And I would, and I was fine with it, you know? Um, but that's crazy. Justin's never held a baby. Yeah. Right. Isn't that crazy? Meanwhile, well, cause in that scenario, let's add to it. Where are the guys? Where are your cousins? Yeah. Guy cousins? They're outside playing basketball. They're not yeah. sitting there holding the freaking baby. <laughs> like they're not going to let it. Oh, I mean, why would you let an eight year old? Uh, I don't know. I wanted to go play basketball too. I do I remember sometimes I was baby. like, I'm at the table chatting with my aunts and I kind of wish I was like outside. Yeah, totally. But you had to, it was like so many things in my childhood. I mean, so many things in probably everyone's childhood. It was just like so separated by gender. It's so mm-hmm. weird. It's so weird. But um, yeah, I mean, like for me, I, it's getting to the point like, you know, I'm being asked pretty often about when I'm having kids. I'm now engaged. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, well, that's not even at work. Like, and I work with 90% men, probably higher than that. But, um, and they'll even say, oh, well, you know, what comes after marriage? <laughs> it's like, uh, having babies, I guess yeah. uh, is what they're insinuating. But it's so easy to like working with all men. It's so frustrating at times. Like, you know, and guys like the level to be a good dad is honestly, the bar is set so low. Mm-hmm. It's set so low. And there's so many things that I hear about. And I'm sure, you know, they're probably good dads. <laughs> Sir, they, these guys, I'll say that they are good dads. But there's things that I hear some of them say that seems like so casual. And so, like, they would never think twice about it. Things like saying, oh, I have to go play mom tonight i have to go babysit my kids tonight oh yeah i've heard that before or babysitting i'm like who are you babysitting they're like my kids and i'm like that's not babysitting right that's called being a dad Dad. being a parent (laughs) yeah or they'll say like oh my wife told me i can't play golf on the weekends anymore and I'm like, yeah, what is she doing on the weekends? Hmm. Yeah. And, I wonder why she asked you not to do that. Hmm. Really makes me think. And I possibly. do think this thing of like the bar being set low for dads, it is true. But honestly, it's like to the detriment of men too. Like mm-hmm. it's not fair that like if a woman is like higher paying in her position and the man wants to stay home with the kids that he's, you know, the in a negative way or with a negative connotation or it is unfair to dads who are really hands-on and do really enjoy being a dad and you know act
actively work with their partner to have an even distribution of tasks. It's not fair for people to be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you parent. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you yeah. go to all the parent teacher conferences. I'm sure you go to doctor's appointments. And it's like, I'm sure for some dads, they're like, yeah, I do. I actively choose to be a part of those things. And so, I mean, wanting to get rid of this double standard, not to like bring it all back to what Honey and Heart is about, but removing this double standard like makes it better for everyone. It makes everyone Mm -hmm. have an opportunity to like feel heard and feel like they can lead in their lives. And that's valuable. But unfortunately, we have this weird dynamic society with mom responsibility and dad responsibility. Yeah, totally. And I think from that same study earlier about dads being happier, they also asked like, um, out of moms and dads, do you feel like you should be spending more time with your kids? Only 30% or like 33% of moms answered yes. Whereas 60 over 60% of dads answered yes that they should be spending more time with their kids yeah that they should so um you know it's like dads do there isn't a want there Mm -hmm. um maybe if it's not always conscious until they're like asked that question you know and really think about it but dads do want to be spending more time with their kids let's talk about now how can we how can we actually change this like i have some theories i don't Obviously, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what's going to work. But I do think, of course, again, the Scandinavian countries, Scandinavians, they're doing it right once again. They have a lot of better stats in this area than the U.S. does. Um, So I think we really need to. So this is why I have an issue, too, with certain social services that are provided in the U.S. being contingent upon employment or just even being unemployed because these women that choose to remove themselves out of the workforce are then not getting any, they're not considered unemployed any longer because they're considered as removed from the workforce. That's so true. I never thought about that. Yeah. And so, you know, they're not getting any out, you know, I, people will say, well, we shouldn't be paying women to raise their kids, but mm, that $10.9 trillion says, I beg to differ. <laughs> uh, I did look it up. We currently owe $1.06 trillion to China and $1.26 trillion to Japan. Wow. You know, and I don't think we're saying here we should be paying women minimum wage for their housely duties, no. okay? Because if we're going to do that, let's pay men too. So Agreed. Maybe we just pay everyone a yeah. universal basic universal income. Universal basic income. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Look at how that came right back around. <laughs> you know, or, you know, we could do like some of the other Scandinavian countries do where – uh, first of all, like how I mentioned earlier, the women are in fields that are usually severely underpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about increasing wages for teachers, nurses, um, housekeepers, things like that? Um, also, we should look at increasing parental leave. Like there are countries out there. I don't know if you know this, because when I found this out... I was so mad. I think I know this, but <laughs> there are countries out there that give women a year. A year. A <laughs> Sorry, whole I yelled. I got a red. It needed to. You 
And you had to get but it I out. I mean, it's, it's like, that's the thing too. And one of the things that's, how many times can I say thing in one sentence? Um, one of the things that's so unfair for women is like day to day, so many times, Things that take away from work fall on the women. Parent-teacher conferences, doctor's appointments, being home sick from school, it falls on the woman. So therefore, she's not able to stay late at work. She's not able to build those rapports. She's not able to stay late at the company happy hour and make sure she's smoozing with the right people. And... If we had more flexible job roles or responsibilities in other countries, they're more flexible with like work from home, work in the office, remote. They're more flexible with time off. Like in America, you're lucky if you get like 10 days off. That's considered Mm -hmm. like a good thing. And meanwhile, you know, there's a lot of moms who are trying to figure out what to do with their kids during a two-month summer break, like 10 days in two months. It just doesn't equate. So that in the work sphere. And then also like paid leave exclamation point. Yes. There are some companies out there that still... So at least in California, the state provides like a paid leave. It's not the full percentage of your salary. And I don't know how it works with hourly. Probably, I don't know if it even works with hourly employees. Um, I don't even know if it works for hourly employees. Um, I haven't looked into that. But I currently work in benefits. So literally half, you have to go on short-term disability to take advantage of maternity leave. And like, that's a whole other thing. Like, um, you know, trying to navigate multiple agencies and paperwork plus your full workload and mm-hmm. doctor's appointments and a doctor and a hospital visit to like have your baby it definitely becomes a lot um, yeah. California has state leave um, only if you're like a full-time benefits eligible employee so if you're not eligible for health care through your employer you're not eligible for paid leave for maternity and that's one out of 50 states yeah, and that's crazy. And it just went recently from California was only giving moms eight weeks to now 12, which is like, sure, 12 weeks sounds a lot, but that's three months we're talking. So you are, if you're going back into work, you're potentially leaving a three month old at a daycare, which costs hundreds of dollars a month. People at work, uh, I've heard, you know, daycare, some people are paying $800 a month mm-hmm. to send their kids to daycare. And, and you know, even more if you want a daycare that has a better care to kid ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I just, like, have flashes of horror to my three-month-old being in a crib with a soiled diaper crying for 30 minutes or more until someone is free to go and address that. And imagine you don't even have a three month old. I don't even you like I'm not even pregnant stress. guys. Imagine if you had this stress and also, um, I like saw this TikTok recently of this girl who, um, had a vaginal delivery and she's talking about the process of having to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And even with the vaginal delivery, she has stitches, things ripped. It's an active care. She, she has to give herself active care every yep. day when she uses the bathroom and she changes her clothes. And imagine eight weeks, two months 
okay, this is going to get a little graphic listeners, but imagine going to work and knowing that two months ago and possibly even like two weeks ago, you had stitches on your vagina from where it ripped open and you now wear a pad and depends so that you can keep the situation locked under there. And even not like, maybe you're not even at work, but imagine your HR is calling you like, hey, when are you going to get back? Hey, so mm-hmm. excited to have you back on the team. And you're like, I'm still actively going through shit. I can't deal with this right now. And that's right. what we put on women. And then what about having to pump their breasts too? Like there's not even if if I that were to happen at my workplace, currently my situation, there would be no space to go do that. My old manager, when I worked at a restaurant, a cool trendy restaurant in downtown Phoenix, she would have to leave work, quote unquote, leave work. She'd have to go sit in the parking lot every two hours and pump. Yeah. There was nowhere else for her to do it. We only had one bathroom. She couldn't take the bathroom. So she would go sit in her car and pump. You know, oh, yeah. when it's hot, when it's raining, run across the parking lot with all of her stuff, come in, um, designate a special section of the fridge for her milk. It's just like, it's insane. Yeah. And so, and I've worked with a gal too. That after she got pregnant, she was asked to, like, step down, asked if she wanted to step down at work. (laughs) It's just an option. Yeah, just an option. It's like, how many dads have you asked that question? Oh, my God. Zero? Zero? Yeah, I wonder why. And then uh, one of uh, a different company I work for, too, I... I have a different company I used to work for. Yeah. um, They um, did offer paid maternity leave for salary employees, uh, which was like four weeks if you were there under five years. Um, If you were there for over five, they bumped it to eight weeks paid, which was which was nice. I know other countries out there are probably like, what the fuck, dude? But um, anyway, so that's what they offered. And the one woman who was working there um, the same time as me, so she had came on as an hourly employee, then switched to salary. Um, So she was past her five-year mark, but not five years as a salary Salary. employee. So when she was pregnant, they're like, no, sorry, you still only get the four weeks. It's like, this, this country, this company was, you know, a multi-million dollar company. Like Mm -hmm. what's four more weeks to you? Mm -hmm. Like seriously. And then you'll say, oh, well then I have to do that for every employee. Like, no, you don't because how, what percent of employees do you have that are, mothers that have, you know, taken maternity leave while at your company. Well, I think that's really true. You know, you might think like, oh, it's really expensive, but it's like, well, let's break it down. Like one, not every employee who works for you is a woman or Mm -hmm. is, you know, somebody who could carry a child. So that takes out that. Not everybody who works for your company is, who wants to have children, is of childbearing age or even if they are of childbearing age they could have already had them they could have want them later like Mm -hmm. it's just it's a bs cop out honestly and it is frustrating because i like was hoping that i would not be like heated as we're like winding down (laughs) but talking about this stuff it's really frustrating because we have examples for how it's done well 
but we're not doing it. And I think too, you know, it's on people like us. It's on women who like don't have kids. Like it's easy to be like out of sight, out of mind, not my problem. Or when it is my problem, I'll deal with it then. But the truth is like the only way it will be fixed is if everybody starts caring about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when all of, not all of my friends got married because they can't all get married, but um, (laughs) there was like three who all got married within the same few months. And I remember them all talking about the name change process. And I was like, if, um, if men had to change their name, this process would be so much easier. Mm -hmm. The amount of like back and forth paperwork and copies of their birth certificate and social security cards that they had to send out, even just to change their name on Facebook, they had to mail in their marriage certificate to Facebook to prove it. And it's just one of those things like, oh, you know, I don't have to deal with it right now, so I'm just not going to. But, like, we have to actively start caring just in day-to-day, advocating for things that benefit not just you, but all women. Yeah, totally. I kind of feel like I had this, like, false idea growing up that, like, I wouldn't run into issues with like my gender like I was like oh we know this stuff like I almost had like a minor in women's studies in college so I was like oh people know this stuff like we know it's issue we've Mm -hmm. like had women's rights movements in the past and like oh it's just not going to be an issue in life and but then you get to these certain situations where you're like whoa it's still like this and this is very much one of those things that, yeah, it's definitely still like this. It's gotten better, but it's still like this. And so how are we going to get it to change? It's kind of difficult when people get into, like, once you, like, get into that situation, it's like, well, shit, it's almost too late for me to change it for me. Totally. You know? And so that's why I think this conversation, even if you're not a mom or you don't even want to be a mom, but like, you know, let's think about it for women overall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those who are going to be moms in the future, like, how can we make it better for us? Like, if we do decide to have kids, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. And I've definitely just thought about like, well, I'll be organized in the process. I'll be on top of it. I'll ask the right questions. I'll do the right things. But it's like, one, you don't even know if that's going to do anything. And also like, that's how I felt about this like home buying process. I was like, oh, I'll like figure it out as I go. And it turns out when you figure it out as you go, sometimes you get like kicked in the stomach multiple times. You think like, oh, you'll be the one who's on top of it or the system will work in your favor. And it's like, even if it does, it's overly clunky and it doesn't need to be. And once you think, oh, I'll fix it for myself. Like you said, Taylor, you're too late. You've got to, we've got to be active about it now. Yeah, totally. And I will say too, like daycare shouldn't be, have to be the only option for parents. You know, there's some parents out there that like, they both have to work. Mm -hmm. daycare is their only option like well how about (laughs) you know how about we work to change things so that we can have for those families that do just want to have one parent working Mm -hmm. and have one parent at home like in our society 
there is no reason that that shouldn't be able to be a reality for anyone in this country who wants it. Like, period. Like the idea of like a work-life balance where you're able to enjoy your family and enjoy your time and maybe go on a nice trip every summer. It's like almost this European ideal of like, oh, you know, of course, like French people with their wine and baguettes can enjoy a summer in the French Riviera. And it's like, hey, dude, like you don't need to be a part of some rat race in New York City either. Like if... If everyone wants to talk about how America is the richest and greatest country in the world, then like, what are we doing to better the lives of our people and make it so we can enjoy life outside of capitalist America? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And if we're going to have all this technology, why don't we fucking use it mm-hmm. to make our lives easier and freer and more mm-hmm. enjoyable? Whoa, let me bring this all the way back around. (laughs) We do not have to put the societal pressure on ourselves that we put on women in the 60s that you can't enjoy a vacuum, a microwave, or a Betty Crocker cake mix. You should be able to take this technology and innovation in stride. And it's okay to have idle time. It's okay to have relaxation time. We don't need to try to be feeling some productivity quota in our day-to-day. Yeah. Ooh. Let's, I have a fun question. Okay. What are some inventions you would like to see around the household to make your life easier? Okay. I'll start. Okay, good. A toilet, (laughs) a toilet bowl that cleans and sanitizes itself. It's probably, it probably exists. I hope. I want it. (laughs) I think, I mean, I've seen ones in like public restrooms in like nice cities. They'll like rotate and clean. I would love a self-cleaning shower. I know that exists. Oh, that's pretty nice. Um, I would like my Amazon Alexa to like turn on my stand mixer. <laughs> that's pretty nice. Yeah, right? Um, I think for me, stuff in the house... I'm going to go with stuff in the household. I have a very old car, so this may exist with newer cars. But I think that technology about, like, what's wrong with your car and if we're having these, like, smart cars that can drive themselves, why is it so hard for me to do, like, day-to-day maintenance on it? Like... I'm okay with taking 45 minutes to like change my oil. I would rather do that than spend $80 for someone at Walmart not to do it right. But just like you need the jack and you need the wheelie thing to lay on. And it depends if it was like American made, it might be a little bit easier for you to get into. If it's Japanese made, it's probably more compact. Mm -hmm. I would like my car to be more easily accessible for day-to-day maintenance. Um, And I hope that that makes sense. (laughs) It does. (laughs) And I have a Roomba already, I will say. Um, But, like, it's not as good as, you know, remember the movie Smart House? The Disney Channel original movie. (laughs) But what I do like is, like, after they, like, throw this party, they're like, Smart House, help me clean up. And it just sucks the dirt and the trash into the floor and it just mm-hmm. goes away mm-hmm. like i would like that <laughs> that'd be pretty nice yeah smart house i remember that movie being like scary oh yeah it's like if you haven't seen it the house the this family that's just has a single dad and his two kids win this comp 
I do we need to go into this? <laughs> when I'm going to where they get a house and a mom. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it all in. Yep, the house becomes the mom and it tries to take over. So, you know, this Disney Disney Channel original movies are honestly where it's at. Like they're mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyways, I guess anyways. that's a wrap on episode oh, 8. Two things before we go. One, we did misspeak in our friendship episode. It's definitely 15 cigarettes a day, not 15 packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, yeah. Um, That was a big mistake. (laughs) So I don't even know if anybody who listened to both episodes will hear it, but in our You've Got a Friend in Me episode, we definitely say 15 packs of cigarettes (laughs) a day. And it's funny, I think I edited it out, but there was like two minutes where Taylor and I were like, packs, single cigarettes, packs, single cigarettes, and we went with packs. Wrong choice. Oh my God. Um, And number two, Happy Women's History Month. Happy Women's History Month. Yes, last month was... Um, Black History Month. March is Women's History Month. So we're going to continue celebrating it. And that's why we're talking about women. (laughs) Celebrating women's history and making women's history. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Um, but anyways, as always, we're totally interested in what you think. Um, so shoot us an email, DM us on Instagram, whatever you prefer. We are going to make getting in touch with us easier in the future. So listen, listen out, look out for that. Um, definitely rate us and follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts, the Apple podcast app, Spotify or anchor or wherever you're listening to now. I believe you can only rate on Apple podcast, but if you do, please, please, please send us a screenshot. We would love to support you for supporting us. Or if you think you're a really big honey and heart fan and you want to send us a screenshot of you posting it on your IG story or sending an episode in your group chat, we would love that too. Definitely still want to support you for supporting us we'll send you a little note from us and some honey and heart stickers the first crop just went out last week yeah so thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode we drop new episodes every other wednesday (laughs) thanks so much for listening everyone bye taylor bye jacqueline